um, not just in media and entertainment, but we see the main emphasis is taking place in our schools. And when our president and all of his insanity stands up this last week and makes a declaration that public schools must make their bathrooms gender neutral um, is, is, is insane. It's insanity gone to seed. And, uh, but what, the, what they understand, you need to understand that the devil understands this so well. In Jesus' temptation, he is led by the Spirit in the world. The devil comes to tempt him and says, If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus says, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil goes, Oh, we're going to do the it is written thing. He goes, I, I know what's written. The devil knows what's in God's word. And so he turns around and says, so, Okay, so if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, and the, it's written, the angels will catch you. And you won't dash. If you dash your foot, they'll catch you. You won't be hurt. And Jesus said, no, thou shalt not. It's written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So the devil knows what is written. And he knows that Proverbs 22 and verse 6 is a truth. It is a principle and it is a truth. That what you train a child in, when they grow up to be adults, they will continue in. And so this world has an agenda that is training up to train up the children. So they want to get their thoughts and their agenda into the minds of the children. And we're seeing that today, which is why we are seeing today Bernie Sanders, a communist socialist, being able to be as far along as he in the election process and mainly supported by young people who have been for the last 30 years indoctrinated into that mindset. So if we don't choose to be involved in sowing truth into our children, the most important place you could minister is to spend some of your time sowing truth into the lives of our kids so they're hearing something other than the lie of this world. So I'm telling you, don't pray about it. Sign up, get involved, and let's help our kids. Your kids, every child that goes to this church is being inundated and trying to have their, their mind shaped to accept a lie. And it is so important that we have people who care enough about our future. Listen, the devil says, I have no problem waiting 30 years to see my agenda come to pass. And we have to understand that we have to be invested in raising up the next generation. It is the resource and it is our hope. And we need to be involved and you need to be involved. It is not an option. I believe it is a heaven mandate. Somebody ought to say amen. So I'm not asking you to be involved. I'm telling you, get signed up. Spend time in there with kids. And when you do, you're sowing seed that when they get older, they won't depart from truth. They won't be led down the path. We can make a difference. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, so much for that. That was a good message right there. We just give an altar call to get all of our, get altar call, get all of our classes filled right here. Amen. No, seriously, I, I mean that with all my heart. I really felt the Lord share that with me. This, it was actually this morning. I just wrote that out and dealing with that and, and how to share how important it is. VBS. Why have VBS? Why do all these things to reach kids? Because they're important. They are our future. Amen. Amen. You still love me? Amen. Amen. I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 1. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How exciting is that? Pentecost Sunday. Amen. The day that Jesus said to wait for. Told his disciples, go and wait for it until it comes. 
go and wait for the outpouring. Go and wait for the power. Don't move without the power. Praise the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to take a trip with me and uh, go through the, the last... How, how many remember what I preached three weeks ago? Anybody remember what I preached on three weeks ago? Good. That's why we're going to review this morning. I could, hallelujah. But it, it all ties in with everything that we're doing this morning and uh, kicking this off. So this morning, I want to begin by asking you just to take a walk with me through the Word of God and to see and to remind us of what this day is all about. The day God fulfilled His promise to and through His Son to us. So let's begin in Luke chapter 3. We'll read a few verses. We won't read all the verses referenced here, but we're going to get the main idea. Luke chapter 3 and verse 1. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and the region of Trachontus, and Lysanias, and Irenaeus, and who cares about it, and Abilene, Texas, and Annas with Caiaphas were high priests. Look at this. The word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Father, this morning I pray in these next few moments that we have that you will come by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you will anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive. The truth you wish to impart to us today, let our lives be so transformed that we would not be the same. Let your power and your truth come alive within us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? I want you to see that the word of the Lord came unto John in the wilderness saying, and, and it declared to him, now is the time. Now, I want you to just get a reference. John had been raised up. John had heard from his father and that his mother, Zacharias, had told him, while I was in the temple praying, the angel of the Lord appeared unto me and said, your mother was going to be with child. And I said, how can I know this to be sure? And then he struck me with, with muteness so, so that I couldn't speak and, uh, and, and until you were born. And on the day you were born, when I wrote out your name and I went to say what it is, I wrote out John. I said, and when I said his name is John, my mouth was open and it came to pass just as, as it was said that you were filled with the Holy Spirit from your mother's room when your, when your Aunt Mary came over and announced that she was pregnant with the Lord. Then you, you were filled with the Spirit. So uh, John knew that he had a calling and a purpose upon his life and he's been in the wilderness waiting and the word of the Lord came to him and says, now it's time. It's time to begin. And so... Verse 3, and he went out into all the region around Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for remission of sin. And it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. John said, you were, his father told him, you were birthed and your purpose is you are the forerunner. You are the one who is going to prepare the way for the Lord, for the Messiah to come. The Savior is coming and you're called up to prepare. And the Lord said, it's time to prepare. It's time to make it happen. So look at what he said in verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, The voice of the Lord of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now let me just encourage you this morning. Sometimes we know that we have purpose and God has meaning for our life, but we're wondering when 
when's it going to come to pass? John is about the age of 30. Actually, if you read history, he died before his 35th birthday in that. And so in that, but he's been preparing for this season to come to pass. And now he's been waiting. This word's been upon him. And now here he is. He is even fulfilling a word that Isaiah prophesied almost 600 years earlier. And so when God says something, it is going to come to pass. It may take longer than you want it to take to come to pass. When what God said that's going to happen, it is going to happen. Just write it down, mark it down. We will see it, baby. Amen? It's going to come to pass. And over your life and over my life, but there's a place of, of, of getting prepared. Prepare the way of the Lord. And so is what prophesied by Isaiah here. There's some valleys that need to be filled up. There's some mountains that need to be brought low. There's some crooked things that need to be made straight. And there's some rough places that need to be made smooth. And when you're saying yes to God, you'll go through all those seasons when you wonder, God, what's going up? He said, this just is just a valley that needs to be filled up. Well, God, why is there this opportunity? position because this is a mountain that needs to be brought low. But God, why is this going on? Because this is some crooked ways that I'm making straight in your life. And these are the rough patches that I'm smoothing out. But the purpose is that all men will see the salvation of God. Amen. And so it's important to understand that. Now let's go to, to, uh, down to verse 15 and watch what happens here. So John is preaching, verse 15 says, Now as the people were in expectation, all reasoned in their heart about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When I preach on Pentecost, I actually prefer the King James because I'm still a Holy Ghost man. Amen. I just like that term, Holy Ghost. That's awesome. Amen. You know what? In, 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 uh, I got to preach last Sunday on Mother's Day, for Mother's Day and for my birthday at, at Austin Church, the intersection there. And there in Gettysburg, every time we've been there, they have ghost tours. You go to all the places where the ghosts are and, and where there's dead spirits and, man, and people paying money to go on a tour with the flashlight to see spooks. And they think that's perfectly normal. That's all. And, 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 they lie. and every night you walk down the street and you'll come across a group of eight to ten people and a guy telling them here at this church, at this house, at this place, in this basement, at this graveyard, in spirits, and we'll see them running across. And idiot people out there trying to have an encounter with the dead spirit. And the Spirit of God gave me a word for the intersection church says, hey, you need to be known as the house in Gettysburg that has a Holy Spirit, a living spirit, and you give three tours every Sunday, 9, 11, and 1. Amen. Come and check out the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Amen. So Jesus said, you come, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Look down at verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass. Everybody say, it came to pass. That Jesus was also baptized, and while he prayed, the heavens was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Everybody say, upon him. There, there, there's three words connected with the Holy Spirit. Three adjectives or conjunctions. I don't, I don't know. I failed conjunction, junction on, on, on PBS. Anyway, but uh, the Holy Spirit is declared to be in us, with us, and upon us. 
The Word of God, as you read it, there's a promise that the Holy Spirit will be with us. Jesus said in John 14, He has been with you and He shall be in you. And then the promise is that He is also going to come upon you. How many know if, if you define in, with, and upon, those are three distinct workings. What the Holy Spirit does with us is one thing. What He does in us is another. And what He does upon us is another thing. But what we do is we mix them all into one and it gets it's confusing when you hear people speak on the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, they got everything conglomerated into one. But when you break it down, what does it mean for Him to be with us? What does it mean for Him to be in us? And what does it mean for Him to be upon us? Here, we're just dealing with upon us this morning. The day of Pentecost is the promise of Him coming upon all flesh. In the last day, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And you will receive power that is different than what He does with you and different than what He does in you. Are you with me? So the Holy, here's Jesus. He's already, he's conceived in Mary's womb by the the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive life. Jesus born of the Spirit. And and then he's alive in the Spirit of God dwelling. He's a spirit man on the inside. But here he comes and he's baptized for the remission of sin. And then the Holy Ghost comes upon him. Amen. Amen. And he begins to walk in power. Well, and, 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 and the same power that he walked in is the promise that is to you and I. The Bible doesn't teach us he got more and we get less. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same anointing. It's the same power. Because he said in John 14, 12 that we could do the same work. And the only way to do them is with the same power. Amen. And so here he does that, and he's coming upon. And let me just go back and reference this for a moment. I brought it up in first service, but in this, I'm glad for the new God movies that are coming out. God-centered, Christ-like. Thank God for the war room. Amen? I've been getting people fired up about prayer again, believing in prayer. Thank God for God's not dead. Two was better than one. Amen. I saw them both, but two was better, the second one better than the first one. But, but great movies, good stuff. But, but then we keep doing stuff, and uh, there's some things out there that just miss it a little bit. So the young Jesus one that just out, not so much. Because Jesus didn't walk in power until after his baptism. Jesus as a boy didn't use power. He didn't do miracles until after his... His ministry was not on display until the age of 30. And for three and a half years, all of his ministry was done by the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. Which is why it's important for you to read your Bible. Don't believe what I'm telling you. Who do you how do you know what I'm reading? I could have something I made up. Check me out. Amen. Make sure, follow up, read it, but make sure you know, because many times, oh, that's a great movie, about it. it was awesome, a little weird, but it's still cool. No, it, 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 it's a twisting, it's a variation. Amen. So, hallelujah. So it's important to know what the Word of God says. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So important. Now watch this. So here we are, Jesus gets baptized. Now look over at, 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 at chapter 1, chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we hear that term. People, have, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? So it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him, but the reference, next reference, is that he is filled. He is filled with, with the anointing and with power. He is now equipped for ministry. And it's important for every believer to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, but also to be anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost as well. Amen? That's what Pentecost is all about. Praise the Lord. 
And so look what it says. He being filled with the Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And what happened there? Jesus went through everything you and I went through. While he's in the wilderness, some valleys are being filled up. He's having to deal with the same issue. He was tempted in all ways as you and I are. So he's facing those valleys. He's leveling those mountains. He's making those crooked things straight. And then he comes out and, and, and he's healing over, smoothing over those rough places. But then he comes comes out in the anointing and with power. Hallelujah. Look down at verse 14. Then Jesus returned after the temptation. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So here he was in a specific, he returns in the power of the Spirit. And so don't be afraid to go through the preparation time. God's getting ready for you to come out in power. Somebody ought to say amen. So watch this. And news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogue, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up as his custom was. And he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me, not with me, not in me, but he is upon me. And he has anointed me, enabled me, and empowered me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the anointing of God is upon you for the same reason. The Holy Ghost comes upon his people today day to anoint us to do the same ministry. Are you with me this morning? Praise the Lord. Now watch this. So Jesus begins ministering and he goes out in that power and return. And every aspect of his earthly ministry was through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Jesus didn't do anything because he was the Son of God. He did everything because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. God became all man. He didn't have an ace in the hole of deity in his back pocket. God literally became, took on the full nature of man so he could redeem man. He had to become man to redeem man. Glory to God. There's so much we could deal with this morning, but i got to stay on track to finish on. Now watch this. So he does that. And tells his disciples what to expect next. In John chapter 14, but you read John 14 through 16, he says, hey guys, I just have to tell you, help is on the way. I have to tell you, help is on the way. In verse 12, as I already said, John 14 verse 12 said, He that believes on me and the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I'm going to my Father. And if I go to my Father, the Helper will come. He'll, I'll send him to you. So he says, the Helper is, I'm sending the Helper. He's coming. He's going to enable you to do the works. And then in John 15, he said, and the Helper's coming. John 16, the Helper's coming. Thank God the Helper's here. Amen. We have help. We're not asked to do this on our own. Glory to God. We get to have help. And the Holy Ghost is our helper. And then in Luke 24, he gets to the end of his ministry. And, 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 and he's, been, he's been to the cross. He's fulfilled the walk. He went to the cross. He's been in the grave. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now he's been walking with his disciples for 40 days. And he's about to ascend up to heaven. And he says, hey, guys, last word that I'm commissioning you with. Don't go out on your own. Go in Jerusalem. Wait there. 
for the endowment of power. Wait until you are endued with power. And the promise of the Father, I'm sending the promise. Go wait for the power. And then in Acts 8, he's standing there with them. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he's standing there and they're asking him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? How many know we always get distracted? We just get distracted. We get caught up in things that don't matter worth anything. I bet. And that's all the stuff we divide and fuss over. All of our different views about this. And, and, and then uh, uh, Jesus says, hey, this is what you need to know. Focus, guys. Focus, he said. Focus. You go wait in Jerusalem. In a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in power. And you will be my witnesses. It's going to start in your own communities. And then it's going to spread out into your city. And then it's going into the surrounding region. And then it's going to go across your nation. And then it's going to go into the whole world. Because this power is going to enable you to be my witness. Amen? Hallelujah. And so, today, we remember the promise was made and kept. Power has come. I love that. In Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up. Guys, this is that. This is that what? This is what Joel said almost 800 years ago, over 600 years ago. Joel said, in the last days, saith God, I will. Everybody say, I will. God said, anytime God says, I will, you better know he will. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dream. Your young men will see vision. And upon my servants and upon my handmaids, I will pour out my spirit. I'll leave nobody out. Amen. I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. I'll empower all those to do the work of the ministry. Praise the Lord. And so it comes. And upon us fully equipping us to do the work of the ministry with the same anointing and same power of our Lord. Which brings us to today. All that to say this. Amen. Today we're all about where's Frank. And no, Frank is not a name. Frank is an acronym. Everybody knows Frank is sitting right over here, my dear friend. But we're not after Frank. We're, after, we're not after him. We're, we got him. We're after this Frank. Amen. We're, we're after another Frank. We're going to explain that in just a moment. But this is what it's about. We're about redeeming the orphan's heart of the lost. Because that's the Father's heart. That every orphan's heart would be redeemed. With Adam's fall and the entrance of sin into the life of man, the bond of fellowship with God as Father was broken. God created man in the beginning to be in an intimate relationship with Him as His child. But sin always changes relationship. How many of you in here have kids? How many when they disobey it changes the relationship for a season? You, you want to bring it back to restoration and peace, but for a season, their choice has changed the atmosphere of the relationship. And so you, you have to bring reconciliation and restoration is your heart, but, but there's a process to get that to come to pass. But because he is a just God, he is working towards the redemption and restoration of all things to himself. Every person you and I know outside of Christ carries within them an orphan's heart. 
People are lost, and Jesus defined it in Luke chapter 13. People are lost, carrying within them an orphan's heart. It doesn't mean they didn't have parents. It means they don't know who their heavenly father is. They don't have an identity given to them by their father. And we have natural parents, but we have an eternal father. We have a season here on this earth, but we have an eternity with our heavenly father. And our number one identity is to know him as our father. And if I don't know that, I carry within me an orphan's heart. So they are without the identity of a son or a daughter of God. If you ask them who their father is, they could not tell you. So what happens? They try to find value in everything this world has to offer. You'll see people searching. Some of us have tried that. We're we're into this for a while. We're into this for a while. We're trying this for a while. Oh, this new thing came up. This is going to make a difference. This will make me happy. I'll find fulfillment here. And you change and you go from one thing to another thing because none of it works. None of it fills you up. None of it gives you contentment. And and, and I like things. I like nice things. But none of it is meant to say, do you know everything, every marketing, the, 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 the purpose behind every marketing thing is to tell you, you need this. You will like this. It will make your life better. No, it won't. It'll make my life cluttered. That's why we have yard sales, because we bought the lie. Now we're trying to get other people to buy it (laughs) and take it away from us. Amen. And then we go and buy it anyway. And then we negotiate. Oh, my goodness. There's a whole message in yard sales. Praise the Lord. And then what? So what happens? They wander through life lost with no sense, true sense of direction. Why? Randomly searching for a path. <clears throat> Excuse me. They hope will lead them to a place where they will be happy, secure, content, fulfilled, and at peace, but never finding it. Look at the world around you. Hey, guys. If just having a little more money... and more stuff would fulfill your life, then Prince should still be alive. Michael Jackson should still be alive. Elvis should still be alive. Um, Heath Ledger should still... I I mean, all the people that are famous and millionaire and rich and popular that we emulate and make idols and their lives end, end worthlessly and empty and destroyed, and they had enough money to, because to, we think, oh, if I just had more money, my life would be more happy. That is the lie of the yeah. devil, because it sends you looking for a counterfeit in place of the real thing. Right. Are you with me this morning? And so you look at that. So there's a young man, 54 years old, dead, strung out, wiped out, and, and all that talent, and, and, and all that just gone to waste. What a waste! Yeah. What a waste! And then, be, uh, oh my goodness. So go through life, never finding it. But hear me, without being adopted by the Father, they will spend their entire life lost with no clear direction, no real sense of value, and no true identity. Hear me, the attack against the home and against our Father has been the ploy of the devil. What we've seen, the breakdown of the home, because identity was ordained by God to be given by fathers in the home. The Father is to give the children their identity. He's to let them know their value. And that they are his posterity and they carry on the family name. 
and that in that, that, that he lets them know that they were created for purpose and, and there's a direction and a path for their feet to walk on. That comes from fathers. But the breakdown of it, And so without that, we go through life, and if we don't have that, so today we have a society of dysfunctional family. We have a society of broken home, and then depending upon how we've grown up, we come into the church, and maybe you're like me, if you came from a dysfunctional home with 99.99% of them are. Yeah. Amen. There's dysfunctionality in all of us outside of Christ. Can I get a witness this morning? But, but, and so out of that, but if we don't let God heal our brokenness, we'll carry that orphan's heart on the inside of it. And then we go to the next generation and then we pass it on and we pass it on and we don't want to, but it's in us and we never got healed of it. We just tried to keep it suppressed, push down, control it. But then something happens that reminds us, triggers it and it surfaces back up and it affects the relationships that I'm in that have nothing to do with my past. So then we we just go back and God wants to heal the heart. Not teach us how to suppress it, but how to be free. Could you say amen this morning? And so when I come and I let him set me free. See, those who the son sets free are free indeed. So we can love with purity. We can trust with purity. We can be open with purity because we now have a right identity. We know our value. So look at what Jesus, what does Jesus do? When he begins his ministry, he has the multitudes before him and he says, so when you pray, begin praying like this. Our Father, I can't say Father without accepting the identity of a child. The moment I say, my Father, I have just accepted my identity as his child. And then when I say your kingdom, if I am his child, then the reality that I'm an heir of his kingdom. Glory to God. So I have value in the kingdom. Value is now upon my life. And then when I say your will be done, it means that I have a father who's given me an identity, who has established his value in my life, and then your will. He's put my feet on the path and the direction of his will. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Mike and I will party by ourselves this morning. Amen. See, Jesus said we begin our prayer declaring restoration. We begin our prayer declaring restoration. Let me just tell you, the heart of God is souls. God's will, God has one will. Jesus said, I, Jesus didn't say, I've come to do your wills. He said, Father, I come. It is written in the book that a body you did not create for me. Sacrifice and offering you did not want. But it's written that I've come to do your will. To give my life for you. And his will was to redeem the lost. God's heart is the lost. People say, I don't know God's will for my life. It is souls. 
God's will for every one of our lives is souls. There's people connected to everyone. Through our diversity and our differences and, and our contacts and our different spheres of influence, we're able to go everywhere, not just one place. If everybody was the pastor, the preacher, and that, 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 that's one sphere of influence. But through all of this, we get to go everywhere. We're in every nook and cranny of society. And in there, there's an orphan. Everywhere you go, there's an orphan that God wants to redeem. There's an orphan there that he is already moving on their heart. And their heart is already open to receive him. If he could just get you and I to go there. Amen. And to reach to them. Jesus said in Luke 19 and verse 10, he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Thank God. Amen. Everything this world has to offer is a counterfeit for what the Father has to give. And, and let me just say this. You know, I, I don't know about you. Uh, our kids at times have gone wayward in doing that. And, and, and every time our, our children were on a wayward path, you know what we did? I wanted them restored. I, I wanted them back. I, I didn't believe that that was their lot in life. And, and, and God's heart. And, and I said in first service, I want you to hear it today. That in us, if there's any good that is in us, if there's any positive that is in us towards our children, any desire for healing, for forgiveness, and for restoration in us, how much more in our Heavenly Father? How much more in Him does He desire that? And, and I shared it. And even for me, and, and understand that there, there's an area in my heart, and maybe one of these days the Lord will fulfill it. I don't know why He brought it up this morning as He did, but, but in my heart, in my life, I have another brother. I have one brother that I've lived with my whole life, my older brother, Hal. He lives in Oklahoma, but, uh, and, and, but that, that's my only sibling that I've lived with. But in, in, in the breakup between my, my dad and my mom, in that season there, my mom became pregnant and made the decision to give the child up to adoption. And I have a brother named Scott Allen, two years younger than me, that I've never met. And there's something in me that I would like to meet my brother. Because we're connected, we're, we're half-brothers, we're connected. There's a part of me that is in him. We, we share DNA. Do you understand that? And, 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 and if that's in me, how much more in God? How much more in Him? Hallelujah. I'm reminding myself this morning because I'll get carried away. Watch. Watch. Stay with me. Don't let the alarm mess you up. For whom the bell tolls. Amen. Watch. The master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges, urge and constrain them to yield and to come in, so that my house may be filled. God calls an empty seat a big deal, a serious matter. An empty seat in his house is a serious matter. We don't have time to read the whole account in Luke 14, but Jesus shares the parable uh, uh, of a man giving a feast and, and sending out an invitation to the, the people first on his list. And everybody he first invited said, hey, I'd like to come, but please have me excused. Thanks for the invitation, but you know what? I have better things to do. 
I, I just bought a field. I, I need to go check it out. I, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I need to go see how they plow. I just married a wife. I have to go home and take care of her. And you said, okay. Then go out into the highways and the byways and find the sick, the lame, and the halt, the homeless, the downcast, the poor, and bring them in. The servant comes back and says, we did that, and there's still empty seats at the table in the house. He says, okay, go out into the alleys, behind the hedges, and find whoever you can, and compel them, urge them to come into my house, because my house will be full. And if we could understand this, sometimes, and I said it in the letter to our leadership, sometimes we're so focused on our friends and our family that we just keep inviting them. But at this season, they have an excuse for not coming. And so we've met, and, and thank God for F and R or for friends and, rela- friends and relatives. Friend, so they're, they're first in Frank. So invite your friends, invite your relatives. Do the people that are close. But, but when they're not there, move on to acquaintances. And then move on to your neighbor. And then move on to your kids as friends. Because, and keep inviting them. And keep reaching out. Keep making the invitation. But it's so easy to get stuck in one group. When we could fill the house. Are you with me this morning? So important. Watch it. I need the worship team if everybody's here to come back. Hallelujah. See, they will accept no excuse for an empty seat. The seats will be filled by invitation or by those who have been made to come in being urged, constrained, and dragged into his hell. I want you to ask you two questions again this morning. Question number one. Have you allowed God the Father to heal your orphan's heart? So, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be healed. One thing to be saved. Another thing to be healed. Because too many times people who have gotten saved are still tormented by their past. We started several years ago doing encounter weekends. We take a Friday night, a Saturday, and a Sunday morning and minister to people. We get people to come away and give God intimate time with them where He can do what He knows needs to be done. No agenda. Not asking, you're just coming saying, Lord, I'm here. Do what you need to do in me to heal me. It's amazing what you see. Because like I said earlier, we've learned, we're conditioned to suppress our pain, not to get healed from our pain. And so we go through those times, you find God just bringing great healing to people's lives and setting them free. Because that's the will of God for our lives. So we carry that, but we get saved and then we keep walking with God. And then we get to that place and we wonder why those things rise up and then they rise up and it creates all kinds of questions and distractions. Many times people back away, pull away from fellowship because what happens, pain in fellowship, in, in relationship, pain from relationships, when it resurfaces, it, it, it usually, we, we don't like to think about it, but it becomes roots of bitterness. And then when it's spring, because it's a pain, it's a hurt, it's a wound. And then when it resurfaces, it usually affects people, like I said earlier, who have nothing to do with our past, but that comes up and it contaminates our present. It, it affects our, our, our personal relationship, affects our congregational relationship. It has an effect. But God wants us healed. Amen?
He wants us healed. Let me ask you this. If the whole world is orphaned by sin, is it righteous for God to choose to adopt only a special select few? The whole world is under the judgment of sin. Paul in Romans brings a whole world under the plight of condemnation, all of humanity. So if, if the whole world is under this plight of sin, is it righteous and just to only select a few to say no the heart of the father is to forgive and to restore he is God of all amen he's God of all so my question is have you received his forgiveness and restoration in your life before we go one step further I want to pray for you this morning How's your heart? I'm not asking you if you're saved. I'm asking you, how's your heart? Do you carry pain from your past? Do you try to work that out? Do you try to figure it out? Does it keep rising up? Does it go back to your parents? Does it go back to a previous relationship? Does it go back to somewhere that things and you just, you keep trying to stuff it back in the corner under the box, the back of the closet of your life? keep it there but it somehow it finds its way back to the surface bow your heads with me this morning before I pray just for you if you're here today and you'd say Pastor Don I know I need healing in my heart but first I need the identity with my heavenly father I need that relationship restored first. I need the identity as his child. I know God loves me, but I've never received him as my father. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord. But today I know God's brought me here so I can be forgiven. I can be restored. And I can have the identity as his child my value restored my direction restored while we're praying if that's you this morning and you need that restoration of identity with your heavenly father would you just raise your hand so I could pray with you while we're praying right now anybody here this morning pastor I need that restoration I need that identity restored with my father anyone at all hallelujah thank you Sir, God bless you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Would you all just pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come today. I ask you to forgive me. I believe you love me. You came to restore me. Today I receive your forgiveness for my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me with the blood of your Son. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for my identity today as a child of God. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, while we're praying, in first service, we had a few people. I said, Pastor, that's me. I need my orphan's heart re- restored, healed. I need healing in my heart. I'm saved, but I need that healing in my life. Maybe you're here today and there's that area you've carried, but you are ready for God to completely restore you. Being restored means back to original condition. Original condition is without the pain of your past. If you need God to work in your heart this morning while we're praying, would you just raise your hand so we can pray together? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Would those of you begin to just pray? Just pray for healing, restoration right now as I pray. Father, right now you see the hands of these who have raised their hands. Lord, and these are private issues. These aren't open issues. These are private issues. This is the hidden, concealed part of our lives that, that nobody knows. Either the things we carry in secret that only you see, Holy Spirit. You search the deep things of our hearts. You know these things that are there. You know the pain. You know the recesses we've tucked them into. You know the excuses we've made for holding on to. You know the justifications we've made around them. So Father, move and heal today in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the honesty and the openness and the trust of those who just raised their hands saying, Father, heal me this morning. So Holy Spirit, come by your power. Do what only you can do right now in this moment. Lift that burden and let your anointing break that yoke off of their life right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would everybody just take a moment and just maybe raise your hands up to God and just worship Him just privately right where you are. Just so those who just prayed can do it with you. If you did that right now and you pray with me and those of you raise your hand, just raise your hand. Begin to worship God with all of us right now. Thank Him for His healing power. Thank you for His freedom in your life. Thank you for that anointing that's on you right now. It's lifting that burden. It's destroying that yoke. He's setting you free right now by His power. In Jesus' name. Thank Him for it. Just thank Him for setting you free. Thank Him for healing.